Welcome to Purple Psychology Podcast. You're here with Melanie Hoskin and, of course, Dr. Nisha O'Reilly. You're very welcome, Nisha. Thank you. Um, this is episode 52, and we're talking about self-esteem and learning difficulties in particular. Define self-esteem, Nisha. Define it. Okay. Um, born. Okay, for me, it's the effect of self-worth. Yeah. It's what you get to see outside someone for how they feel it inside. Okay. In the simplest term. Okay. What would you like to broaden it a little bit? How, how do we know that someone has high self-esteem? How do we know? How, how? One of the biggest ones for me is that they take very good care of their personal appearance. Anybody who tells me that their personal appearance doesn't matter has low self-esteem. And I quite often look out for it in teenagers. It can be like that they um, wash, take an interest in style, in clothes. and might not be the style you want, like they're all into wearing white <laughs> socks at the moment. But, you know, they still have a, yeah. a style. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping their hair clean, having a haircut. Um, very simple things like that are usually a tell for me. If, if um, somebody is not in school, but they still take care of themselves and still have an interest in clothes and style, I usually know that they still have a self-worth. I'm quite happy to hear that. Hmm. And what about people who just don't care? They don't care for fashion and they don't care for what other people think and they don't care for washing their hair every day because they don't really care what anyone thinks. They always have low self-esteem. There's a really, really really famous um, professor in Trinity um, who's a very well-known poet and I watch him around town and it's quite fascinating because he is, um, there's so much about him that's brilliant. But over the years I've watched his um, personal demeanour deteriorate more and more and more and I find it very sad. Okay. And a, a lot of, it happens with a lot of elderly people as well because they feel that no one cares about them anymore and they feel very isolated. So there's a lot of correlations between being isolated and losing their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Okay. How does, um, how does low self-esteem impact learning? This one's kind of interesting for me. I I suppose I started on the journey myself when I was doing a research project in the UK and I went to Oxford and I found my favourite bookshop on the whole planet, which is Blackwell's in Oxford. (laughs) And the first book I ever bought on education before I ever knew I was going to go down this path was titled Dyslexics and Stress. Mm. Um, (laughs) Obviously, I was feeling a bit stressed out. It was my first time working as a research scientist with dyslexia and it was quite a big jump. Mm. And I'd been finding college very hard anyway um, Mm. the year before. There was a chapter in this on how dyslexics um, didn't necessarily start relationships as young as other people and that they didn't um, have the nerve to ask people out and they didn't necessarily ask the people out that they really wanted to ask out. And it, it got me thinking about the fact that there was so much more to being dyslexic that you know that it, I'd sort of concentrated on the effects of grades in school mm. and how you feel in school or how you feel in college. But mm. actually there was so much more to life. Mm. So I suppose that's made me think about it. And if I actually look at a lot of famous dyslexics who are very successful, Mm. um, it's quite interesting when they start to talk about their dyslexia, you'll watch them sort of physically sort of shrivel up a bit. And there's a real sense sometimes with them that they'll try to overcompensate, that there's almost like a chasm inside them that they're trying to fill, that Mm. they need to be hugely successful in business and earn lots of money because that will counteract everything that they couldn't do in school or how they dropped out of school. Mm. Um, And similarly, like, you watch very famous actors and actresses suddenly, like, you know, get 
really tongue-tied and you know you just watch their whole physicality change when they start to talk about how things were so it there's no there's no doubt for me that all the things that happened in school and there's obviously a huge correlation between being bullied and having learning difficulty mm, mm. um that those leave really long-term factors mm. um in in people's self-worth okay um <clears throat> in terms of people with epilepsy how does low self-esteem affect them and this is one has been kind of interesting for me um i've worked with a few teenagers now and i've really noticed that there seem there seems to be a correlation between people with epilepsy especially having low self-esteem um and then as adults i've watched them in quite negative quite dysfunctional relationships and to not really have a value for themselves and I've been kind of questioning myself as to why this happens Mm -hmm. I think some of it again they have very negative experiences as a child you know as children can be horrible in the things Mm -hmm. that they say but I think part of the difficulty with epilepsy in particular is that when you have a seizure you don't really have a recollection of it you don't really know what's happened um, and you don't really have a sense of how you really were and I think you kind of perceive the worst almost of of what's happened Mm -hmm. Um, and with all acceptance, the the final stage of it is when you can step outside yourself and see yourself as other people see you. And mm-hmm. I think they find that especially difficult to do. Like I know in my very early 20s, I suddenly realised that actually I didn't have dyslexic tattooed across my forehead. Mm-hmm. You know, and I managed to sort of go... Well, actually, if I don't tell people why I did that or why it's difficult, well, they never know. So, you know, maybe I should just tell them, mm. you know. But mm. when it sounds really stupid after you finally got to that point and got, got beyond it yourself, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure that they get to that point. I don't think that they find it very easy to see themselves as other people do, that it isn't a big deal. And quite often, like, their seizures will be happen in public locations and be very public mm. or happen in their job. Or I've known people as well to to lose their jobs because of it, which leaves mm. a huge um, effect on people's self-esteem as well. Mm. And do you think self-esteem is built by, um, you know, our, the, the knowledge in ourselves that we have control over ourselves and say with epileptics that, that they they may not feel that they have full control or they lose power um, they feel disempowered by the fact that they can. Um, I, I think I think there's certainly a, a, a part to that. But the most interesting thing about um, self-esteem and self-worth for me is that it's quite often it's too driven by the experiences you've had and all the things that other people have said or how you think other people see you. We're not very good at teaching people to have good values themselves Mm -hmm. and to have a whole sort of self-care plan Mm -hmm. in in themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they never actually build up their own sense of who they are. Their, their sense of self is built on everyone else, mm. which is basically the biggest problem mm. we have. And, and that's especially true if you have a learning difficulty and you're in school and you can't do English or you can't write or you can't say the things that are in your head or you're not good at maths and everyone else seems to be. Whatever the difficulty is that, that's making you feel like you're left behind. So they don't work from the inside out. They rather work from the outside in, take an influence from... Uh, the opinions of people around them very the much so of people around yeah, them. very much so um, and they don't always learn until much later in life to change that and quite often they still build external gauges like having a successful business earning so much money a year mm. and winning so many awards whatever it is there's an external judge 
for mm. them on their, their sense of self-worth still. Okay. And what can you do um, to turn that around? Well, with some people, I'm not sure they ever do, to be okay. honest with you. I'm just glad I don't live with some of them. <laughs> well, if you wanted to, say you wanted to turn around. Um, well, I suppose, what kind of steps could you take? Well, <laughs> um, with the clients I work with, it's very much a self-care plan. Mm. That, that's the, the simplest one. There's a sense of them taking stock of what they do for other people, mm. what um, others do for them, whether it's really valued. Um, mm. A lot of um, business people I've worked with, um, particularly consultants and particularly women, tend to undercharge for their services. Mm. Um, they tend to not completely appreciate what it is that they do mm. themselves, and so no one else is going to appreciate what they do either. Okay. Um, so sometimes it's actually getting people to actually put up their charges. Okay. So strategies like that that will increase your own, your own self-esteem in terms of your value? Very much, yep. That's, okay. that's, that's the key. Okay. Um, I, I suppose I should have asked this at the beginning of the show rather than the end, but um, what does low self-esteem feel like in someone? That they don't have a role in society quite often. That they don't really have a place. Um, it's very important for us to feel like we have a place and we have a role and that we contribute um, and that other people value it. Okay. Are there any other? Th- those that would be the biggest one for me. People not not having not having not feeling that they have a role. So by not having a role, do you, does one feel that they don't have a purpose? Very much so. Yeah. So all of this is tied in. So your purpose around your, I suppose, existence, the reason that you are here. Yeah, well, well, that's why the self-development books thrive every year, mm, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And you see, you go off into a bookshop every January and it's all yeah. about that. And yeah. most of it's, you know, either earn more money, get fit or look better or feel good about yourself mm. or get better at connecting with people. Mm. You know, the bookshelf is entirely full of it. Mm. What advice would you give to somebody who ha- has low self-esteem? Um, and they um, and what you've just said there resonates with them that feeling of low self-esteem i usually think it's a good idea to go back in time and chart how you've maybe changed in the last three or five or ten years mm. and actually be objective on where you're at and maybe what you've forgotten along the way okay how do you do that how do you go about that um you have a think about who was in your life um what interests you had, whether you dressed the same, um, whether you had the same job or the same position, whether you earned more or less money, and where you're at. You'd really sit down and take stock of everything, every aspect of your mm. life in different times mm. and see and see where you've gone. And, and sometimes you find that there's then keys as to why you've lost some of that along the way. Okay, all right. Okay, we've come to the end of this episode. Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, thanks so much. Thank you. See you again. Thank you.